Deep Talk, The Human Condition is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J Welcome back to Deep Talk, The Human Condition. My name is Nick Delaney, and I'm the host of Deep Talk. On this podcast, I welcome a new guest every episode to share a personal emotion, story, or experience with all who are listening. What a guest can share can range anywhere from political thoughts to inspiring songs or even to dark pasts. Whatever it be, you are invited to picture yourself in the guest's shoes to learn something about yourself and the people around you. Before we get back into this week's topic, I just wanted to say I am so sorry about the November hiatus. Last month definitely kept me on my toes with all sorts of things, but I'm really happy to delve right back into the show and to listen to some great stories with all of you. So thank you so much for your patience. Also, as always, thank you for listening. Even though it doesn't seem like it, Deep Talk is still a little baby compared to other podcasts, so all support is appreciated so much. To keep updated with the show, though, be sure to follow Deep Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those can be found at DeepTalkTHC. Always feel free to give feedback to me there or to ask about being on the show, too. Now that all of that stuff is out of the way, I am so excited to introduce a dear friend of mine as the guest for Episode 8. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing. Thank you, Nick. My name's Gabe. Um, I appreciate you having me on Deep Talk. How's everything been going? Uh, Pretty good. Um, I got finals coming up this week and excited for winter break after that. Yeah, I'm stressed and excited. We'll see how finals go, uh, but I'm sure we'll do great. Is there anything that you'd like to share about yourself with the listeners? I'm from Northern Virginia. Um, I go to school at Christopher Newport University. Um, throughout my life, I've dealt with a lot of different things um, that I feel like I've taught me a lot and given me a lot of good experiences. Um, I've struggled with a lot of things in my life, losing close friends, um, toxic relationships, mental health, like depression, anxiety, um, OCD, not feeling worthy, um, a lot of things that I've had to deal with. Some I'm able to overcome, some that are reoccurring, some that are continuous, some that I have to get treatment for um, throughout my almost entire life. So thank you for sharing all of that. I can't wait to delve into that, talk about it. You shared with me earlier that you have these obstacles in your life and they hold you back from things that you want to do or that you need to do. So what are these obstacles? I know you just named a few. I think the earliest obstacle I've ever had is struggling with OCD. Uh, For people who don't know who that is, it's um, obsessive compulsive disorder. A lot of people say they might have OCD um, and things and they might have a little bit, but I am diagnosed with it, a severe case of OCD. It's something I've struggled with as long as I can remember. I've gotten treatment for it for many years, seen a lot of doctors. Um, My particular case of OCD affects me in a lot of ways. It is not defined to one particular thing. Uh, The biggest factor is that 
Um, I like to stay relatively clean and organized. A lot of people confuse it with as a, I, maybe I'm a germaphobe, um, but in a sense, I just want to be, have good hygiene. I want to be clean. I want to have my space in my property to be organized. Um, I feel like I need to be neat and put together in order to accomplish things throughout my day um, and in the future. How does your OCD differ from other people's types of OCD? Every OCD is different. A lot of people with OCD think that something bad may happen if they don't do something. In my particular case, I just get very, very anxious um, and start feeling a lot of emotions. And that is why I sometimes have to satisfy the thoughts in my head by doing things in a particular way so that I don't feel as much anxiety. I always feel some sort of anxiety. That's something I can't always control, but I can limit the anxiety by giving into the OCD. There are other ways um, it affects me as well, besides being clean and organized. Uh, in school, I have to double check my answers. My handwriting has to be perfect. Tend to It also tends to make me procrastinate a lot more because I need everything to be perfect. So I take a lot longer on assignments and tests, particularly written assignments. I have to, I tend to uh, write too much. Um, and. No, you're fine. I don't know where to start. It affects your academics a lot. Yes, it does affect my academics a lot. Um, that along with a few other issues I have, um, such as ADHD, uh, mild ADHD, that only ever affects me at, in academics um, and assignments. It never affects me in any other factor of life besides academics. Um, something that's held me back, um, but not excessively. Uh, it's something I can manage with help from my, the institutions I've attended. Have these affected you socially in any ways? My OCD definitely has. There are times when I may want to go out with friends or do particular activities with friends, but I don't because my OCD, and I know I will get very anxious if I do such things. For example, if my friends wanted to go on a camping trip like they did a few weeks ago, myself would not want to do that. Um, as being in the wilderness, you're very limited to personal hygiene in a sense. No clean running water, um, you can't shower, um, no laundry, sleeping in, outside in nature. That is something that would hold me back, so I chose not to go on it because I um, anticipated the anxiety and I decided to avoid it. Um, and there are a lot of other instances in my life um, that I've backed out of things because of my OCD or and my anxiety. Where do these obstacles and where does your OCD originate from? Um, OCD is a genetic disorder. I know that. My I know my aunt has OCD um, and my dad has mild OCD. Um, so I believe that's where it came from. I remember having OCD as far back as the beginning years of elementary school. And since then, it's changed a lot. 
It's gotten worse at times. It's gotten better at times. I'm not 100% sure if it is my case, if it is from my genetics. It could be from a traumatic experience in my early childhood that I uh, don't realize that could have sparked it. I've also, I've received treatments for as long as I can remember for it. I've seen a number of therapists, um, some who have not helped at all. My current therapist I've seen for almost five years now has helped me a lot, mainly because I see him more as a very good friend and I feel like he respects me. He's the one adult in my life who I believe respects me the most and will always listen to me um, and take into account everything I have to say and has always given me good advice. My father is also a psychiatrist, so he also treats people with OCD uh, along with another number of other uh, mental uh, illnesses, um, and that can get in the way a lot. He believes he knows how to um, give me treatment. Um, luckily, he's stayed out of it a lot over the years, but he doesn't know the difference. Um, he doesn't know the fine line between father and doctor. And how has that impacted you? My dad works a lot. He works almost every single day. On weekdays, he works about like 14 hours a day. Back when I was, before college, when I was home all the time, he would leave for work before I was up for school. He'd be back by the time I was in my room or getting ready or in bed. So I didn't see him a lot. Um, I st Now in college, I still do not talk to him a lot. My relationship with him is very minimum but the relationship we do have is not good because I know what kind of person he is and I know he cares very much for me and he's done a lot in my life and I'm very grateful for that. But at the same time, he always thinks he knows what's best for me because he's both a doctor and he's my father. And when he pressures me into things in my life or tells me what I need to be doing or is passive aggressive, I feel I, I resent it a little bit because because when when people tend to pressure me or put things on me, I tend to resent it more because I feel like I want to make my own decisions in life um, with guidance and support rather than criticism and solution-based yeah. strategies. You Pe just, people think they know what's best for me. Right. You just want the emotional support? Yes. Okay. Do you recall a time in your life when these obstacles were not present? And if you did, what was that like? I actually do not recall a time when I didn't have OCD. Um, as I said before, there it has changed a lot, but I do remember having thoughts and anxiety all the way back into elementary school from some of my earliest memories. And was there a specific moment that sparked that for you? or made you realize that you had that? Not really. It's the only thing I feel like I've ever known in my head to think about. It's hard to think about what a life would be like without OCD. Mm -hmm. A lot of people may not understand that because they don't know the irrational thoughts that go through my head. And I'm well aware that they're irrational thoughts. I know I can overcome them if I choose to, if I fight it. And when I satisfy those anxious thoughts telling me what I need to do, I feel comfortable 
and almost safe. How do you see these irrational thoughts affecting you in the future? I see them dying down more that I'm in college. As I'm more independent here, I'm not around family. It's an entirely new environment. So with an entirely new environment in my life, I see my OCD start to evolve a little bit. Some parts for the worse and sometimes for the best. And I believe that in the future, if I continue to do the right things in my life outside of OCD, I think I can both focus on OCD more and the things that are positive in my life can help my OCD die down almost. It will always be there because it's something I can't just completely get rid of, but it is something I can work on. So the future is kind of uncertain, but I'm positive for it. Do you think your OCD is attached to what's happening in your life? I feel like it affects my life indirectly. There are thoughts in my head, but for the most part, the actions, I, the things I say, a lot of things I do, I can choose to do whether I have those thoughts or not. Those thoughts may impact my decision making, but not all my decisions. Is OCD alone your obstacle in life, or are there other things that are involved with blocking you from doing what you want to do? There are definitely other obstacles in my life um, that have impacted me uh, that are involved. OCD is just, I believe, one of the ones that goes farthest into the past. I've also dealt with a lot of depression throughout high school. I've dealt with relationship problems, family problems. There are a lot of factors in my life, and there's even more in my head. And my life isn't terrible. I'm very grateful for what I have and for a lot of the experiences and where I am right now. But that doesn't change the fact that there's a lot of thoughts and emotions racing throughout my head constantly every single day. What are some of those thoughts and emotions? A big one is self-worth and confidence. I have very little of both uh, throughout my entire life. When I transitioned into middle school, I felt like that's when my life really began a new era, going to school with new people and right before high school and college. So I believe that's where my childhood took a big step forward. And that's when I started experiencing a lot of big things in life that other people experience. So what happened in middle school that marked this new chapter? In seventh grade, the beginning of middle school, I made a lot of new friends. I had my first girlfriend. I was having a great time in middle school. And at the end of seventh grade, my OCD started affecting me a lot to a point where I had to drop out for eighth grade and I was homeschooled for the majority of eighth grade and came back in the spring. Coming back in the spring, I came back with no friends. During that time I spent homeschooled, I did not have a phone. I had no friends. I just basically sat at home all day long and did schoolwork, played video games, and that was it. When I came back to middle school, the end of eighth grade, I had lost all my friends. 
I had to make new friends, and that was right when middle school was ending, and we were about to go into high school with a completely new group of people at a new school. Should we go into high school or no? Yeah, if you want. Okay. I just I don't know what to say. Yeah, you're fine. Just say whatever you want. I'm probably making this a mess for you to edit. No, you're fine. I feel like it would have been better if you just recorded a conversation, secretly recorded a conversation between us. <laughs> I, know about. I, I know. It's kind of like the microphone here is like a third person. Yeah. Almost like some weird person's just sitting here. Um, I know it's uncomfortable. It's but. uncomfortable. It just makes me feel more pressure. Yeah. And like, I could even keep this in the episode if you want. Uh, just kind of like let them know what it's like, you know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be nice. You can. Yeah, to kind of have, like, our friendship in the background. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, into high school, that's when I made a lot of friends. I was having a great time. I was doing pretty decent, not really good, but good at school. And at the end, I dated, I, I got back together with my middle school girlfriend, actually. The one girl I've ever loved, we dated for about nine months in freshman year of high school. We went to two different high schools, so there was a distance between us, but not extremely long distance, which I believe helped a lot because it meant we didn't get sick of each other. It also kind of minimized conflict. It made us cherish the times that we got to see each other on the weekends because we only got to see each other once or twice a week in freshman year of high school and you never had a car. But eventually, after a few months, it did grow further and further apart, probably because we weren't close enough together. Even though that did work for a while, the distance did end up splitting us apart on good terms. And to this day, I still consider her my friend, even though we talk very, very little. And at the end of freshman year, I ended up dating a different girl who had a huge impact on my life. We dated for on and off for almost two years. One of the, the worst relationship I've ever experienced, um, I was stuck in for two years. Um, friends telling me it was not good for me, me not listening. A girl who did not trust me even though I gave her no reasons not to trust me. Constantly checking my phone, seeing if I was talking to other girls, would not let me hang out with other girls. And I almost attached myself to her and gave her all my trust. I tried to give her all my trust because I realized she didn't trust me for some reason. And so I lost a lot of my friends that I had made freshman year of high school because I would only hang out with her. I'd only talk to her while we were dating. And for those whole two years, it was just on and off fighting, being happy and unhappy good times and bad times and we ended up breaking up at the end at the beginning of junior year and when I was dating her that's when my grades slipped Uh, I lost my friends my family hated her all I did was basically devote my life to her when I when we broke up at the end of junior year because we realized going on and off for two years, so much fighting. It was almost pathetic 
and she ended up breaking up with me, which I believe was a good thing now. But back then, I was very depressed afterwards. I found out she started dating a guy who she cheated on me with when we were dating, which is kind of ironic because she was always concerned I would cheat on her, which I never did, and she was cheating on me. So she started dating a guy who went to the same school as us after we broke up. And that was really hard to see her with him. And I was very depressed for the entire year of junior year of high school. I still didn't have any friends because I just got out of the relationship and I lost all my friends because of her. And we didn't talk for a long time. So I had no friends. I remember spending a lot of time in counseling services, not even getting counseling, just sitting alone, being depressed, trying to deal with everything in my life. And I did focus a lot more on academics and I did really well junior year of high school. I did play soccer and I ran track, which helped a lot too. And I started to make a few close friends. Were these obstacles in your life like OCD and self-worth and self-confidence, did they play any part in that relationship you had? Definitely, it definitely um, made it worse. Her not trusting me, always getting mad at me for stupid reasons. For example, maybe I would talk to a female coworker I worked with who I considered a really good friend, and she was very concerned that I liked her or would cheat on her with her. And a lot of other incidences like that, she would block girls on Instagram, my inst- on my Instagram, who she thought was attractive. Literally hundreds of accounts, female accounts on Instagram. My friends who I followed, she would block on Instagram because she was because she thought they were attractive and she was, I guess she felt threatened and she didn't trust me and that didn't help my self-worth or confidence. It made me feel like I wasn't good enough for her. Um, When there's no trust, it feels like that's because it's your fault and she would tell me it's my fault that she couldn't trust me, even though I never gave her a legitimate reason not to trust me and I would always try my best every day to make her happy and to trust me and it never worked. So where did these ideas of self-worth and self-confidence originate from before this relationship? A lot of it was from family and OCD. In the case of OCD, I mentioned how I wanted to be clean and organized and everything in a particular way. And when I don't have that, I feel like I can't get on with my life or do things I want to do. So that kind of relates back to not feeling good enough to be able to do something if something is not the right way or something doesn't work out for me. Also with family, I have three sisters, two younger and one older, um, and my parents, of course. I'm not, we've never been a very close family. As I said, my dad works a lot. Um, we barely see him. So my father figure in my life is almost non-existent. Being the only boy with three sisters it's really hard because you can't really bond with them as much. So I grew up, I feel like, without any close siblings, the only boy, almost like the outcast. Like I'm just kind of there in the family. And that kind of diminished my confidence, like, and almost my self-worth. Because like, I'm just like the odd one out in the family. My mom has been a very influential figure in my life. Um, I sh- 
she almost felt sympathy for me for being the only boy that struggles with a lot of mental stuff. She, my mother is definitely the person in my family who I'm closest with. She is the person in my life who I believe understands my situation the best. Even though I may not tell her everything about my personal life, um, because she is my mother, I still feel like she catches on to a lot of things and she's witnessed everything in my life as relationships and friends and experiences come and go. The one constant is typically your family. And more specifically, it's been my mother for me. How are these images of self-confidence and self-worth still present within your life today? To answer that question, I'm going to go back into high school. Senior year of high school, I was very happy. I had a few close friends, and I was doing really well academically, and my OCD was affecting me to not a terrible extent. I had a really fun time senior year of high school, but I also realized that my close friends I did have in high school weren't genuine friends. I would have them there and I could talk to them or hang out with them, but there are times when they would hang out with me or not invite me to places or not ask how I was doing, or, and I saw that they were kind of, they didn't really care about me they didn't have any interest. And uh, to this day, I'm not really friends with them anymore. Going into college, I talk to them every now and then, but I wouldn't consider them real friends. So going into college, at orientation over the summer, I met a few people that I became close friends with and we would talk over the summer. Continuing through the summer, I started meeting people online, going to the same school. I started talking to my, the people I would end up rooming with or my suite mates. I met, I met up with the people I was talking with all summer and I had a very close group of friends day one, definitely. We were all looking for friends because it was a completely new experience. So we all, everyone was looking for new friends. So I would consider them my friends from the moment I met them. And we all hanged out for a long time, first few weeks all the time. Now that we're at the end of the semester, we all still talk, but we all don't hang out at all because we've all kind of split apart. Some of us hang out, some of us have made new friends, um, which is good because we don't want to, you don't want to limit yourself and confine yourself to a small, I guess, friend group. Click. Yeah. yeah. It, it can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. For me, I wanted, it was very new for me. I never had really met people in my life before college who I felt genuinely cared about me. And I love that word. That's why I call my friends here genuine friends because they care about me. They show interest in me and how I'm doing, talking to me, hanging out with me. And that's how I kind of realized that. And now that I'm in college and I have this close group of friends, it's helped me a lot in other aspects of my life. It's made me a lot happier because I have close people I've never had before. I know this is not a good question for an interviewer to ask because it's leading questioning and all that, but you could say that the genuine friends you've met at college have benefited your self-worth, right? Definitely. My self-worth, there's a lot of different factors to it. 
but in the social aspect of friends, it's definitely improved it. I feel like I have great friends here. They make me feel good about myself um, because they show interest and they show care about me. And I care and show interest to them too because I deeply, I'm a very caring person um, and I care about a lot of people. I can care about people who I've just met. Um, and in my past, I've never experienced that mutual respect or mutual care for um, between people. And I've experienced that a lot here, and that makes me feel a lot better about myself because it makes it means I have people in my life that I can go to, that I trust. How have you learned or attempted to overcome these obstacles and these problems with self-worth and self-confidence? I haven't really. A lot of it is because I don't know how. When you are in a downward state like that, not feeling worthy or confident, um, or depressed, I have experienced a lot of depression, you don't have a lot of motivation to do anything. And one of the things I hate when people say is, why not change it, or why not do something about it, or you should do this or that. I hate when people say that, because when someone is in a really, really negative place, that's the worst thing you can say, because they don't know what to do, or they don't know how to do it, or they don't have the motivation to do it. Even though it sounds like really bad advice, the one thing I feel like I've learned that works for me is to take, literally take it day by day. It's really hard for me to just change things in my life immediately. And when I try to force change, it never works out. So I just take it day by day. And hopefully every day is better than the one before it and wait for my life to progress and hopefully get better and for things to work out for me and to be successful in different aspects of life. So I wouldn't say I try and change or improve my self-worth or confidence or diminish my anxiety when it comes to that. I just kind of wait for it to happen because that's what works for me when I don't know what to do or I don't know how to do it. And if it works for you, I think it's still good advice. Yeah, and it always, I mean, nothing's ever going to be bad forever. Um, I mean, I was depressed for almost a a whole, I was depressed for over a year, junior year of high school, and I thought it would never get better, and of course it did, and I still experience depression and anxiety sometimes now, but I also know that there are times, I'll have worse times in the future, and I'll have better times in the future, and I feel like I'm at a point where I'm not, I don't want to rush my life and I realize that I just have to wait for things. I have to be patient, and I, I, I'm expecting those bad things to come, but I'm also expecting good things to come. Right, and it's worth it waiting for those good things. Exactly. Even if it means the bad things. Yes, because I waited my whole life until college, until having really good friends. Um, and I had to wait, what, 18 years until I had decent friends and a good social life. Why do you want to share all of this about yourself with others? I want to share because I feel like I've experienced a lot of different things in my life. I don't know everything, but I have feel like I have a lot of insight when it comes to um, family, like distant families, being kind of outcasted in your family um, or not close with anyone in your family, 
I feel like I know what it's like to be in a really good relationship. I feel like I know what it's being in a really bad relationship, what it's like to have good friends or no friends, or what how mental health can affect you when it comes to OCD, anxiety, depression, ADHD, and how that affects academics and friends and family and relationships, um, and your physical health. And I also feel like I know, after years and years of it, I know how what treatment can be helpful and what treatment cannot be helpful, and that's different for every single person. I don't want to say I know everything in life, but I just feel like I'm very, I have a very broadened experience, and I feel like I have a lot of insight into my personal issues that I deal with that I know other people deal with that I have met that I can relate to. And even though I may not be able to help people, it can still be really, really satisfying just to relate to someone. Like, there are friends I have who I cannot help with their issues and they cannot help with my issues, but just talking with them or sitting there with them or hanging out with them, knowing they're there, knowing they go through the same thing and having each other is a really good thing. Wait, so... I was just waiting for it to leave. <laughs> do you want to? Do you, are you just gonna cut it, or do you want to say it again? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so, sorry, someone. I don't know if I'm gonna keep this in. Someone just walked in here to put a vacuum away. Um, so we have a, a new guest. If you could give a piece of advice to yourself from the past, what would you say? I would say to to be smarter and to be more rational in decision making, and actions and words because there are a lot of things I regret in life um, or there are a lot of things I think I did right but that really low self-esteem makes me think I did something wrong or I know I did something wrong so I feel like I never do anything right so I would say to really take everything slow so you make sure you're doing the right thing for yourself or whether that's a small thing like going to hang out with friends like maybe choosing to go hang out with people instead of letting something hold you back from doing it or a big thing in your life like where you want to go to college or um, whether you meet the right girl or not or what you say to people or what you post online, anything. Through all of the hardships and emotions that you've been through, what have you learned about yourself? I believe in my life and for other people that people should always surround themselves with close, genuine people in all sorts of the manners, in family, friends, and relationships. Just everybody in your life, I think you should find the right people because I've met a lot of people. I've, I've had fake friends in life. I've had toxic relationships. I've had really unsupportive family members. And you don't have to cut people out, but I would say surround yourself by the good people in your life, people who support you, put you up, people who show interest, people who care about you will ask how you're doing just genuine people and it's not that hard to be that same thing back to someone it's not hard to be nice and caring whether it's just asking how they're doing because everyone needs close friends and there are times when I feel like I need to be alone to deal with stuff in my head sometimes that doesn't help because my head starts racing and it can be a really good thing to find your balance of alone time self like self-care and then having a social, a really good social aspect to your life in whatever manner that is. Because having 
those people in your life can affect everything. It makes me not think about my OCD as much. It makes me not think about being sad or being lonely as much. It doesn't get rid of all my bad negative thoughts, but it certainly helps a lot. It's just good to have really good people in your life that have helped me in so many ways. And you can't always just go outside and look for those people. A lot of the times you need to wait for it to happen, which really sucks. And that's one of the worst pieces of advice I give to my friends and that I have to give is that it really, really sucks. I know what it's like to have to wait and be patient, to be happy, or to find the right people in your life, or to find out big news, or wait for some, just wait in general. And it sucks, it's really bad. It's really bad to hear, but it's, I think it's really good advice is that you just have to be patient um, and find the things that work. So thank you for sharing all of this with us. I think that advice is really powerful and it could translate into many people's lives, helping a lot of people in a lot of different situations. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing that advice. And thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story, my experiences, and whatever insight I have on Deep Talk. If I have any last thing to say, it's that bad things really don't last and good things do, but there will always be a good balance of both in your life. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, get ready for some deep talk. Do you have a personal story or experience that you'd like to share on Deep Talk? Reach out by messaging the podcast via our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DeepTalkTHC. Recordings can be most conveniently organized in the Newport News, Virginia Beach area or in the Northern Virginia area. Remember, all stories are welcome and they are as anonymous as you'd like. Thanks again for listening to Deep Talk, The Human Condition. Our opening theme is Dreaming of a New Day by White Hex, and our closing theme is Midnight by Dan Heenig. Our cover art is by Luke Dimas, who can be reached at void.mp3 on Instagram. To stay updated on all the latest Deep Talk news, you can follow this podcast's social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at DeepTalkTHC. That's DeepTalkTHC.